welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Hey everybody, Pastor Jake here, and I just wanted to take a second and welcome you to our special Father's Day message. We've got five different guys from over five different decades of life sharing from their wisdom about being godly men, husbands, fathers, and sons. I know that if you're listening today, that you're going to leave this podcast changed, transformed, molded, and shaped more like Jesus in everything you are and do. Let's go. Okay, so I'm going to try and stick within the five minutes that I've been given, so bear with me. And then if I go over five minutes, if somebody could honestly wave at me, that would be amazing because I I can almost guarantee you that I will go over five minutes. If you have your Bibles with you today, can you turn to Numbers? Let's see here. There we go. There it is. Numbers 21 verses 8. Okay, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten by these snakes, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on the pole, and so it was, if a serpent bit anyone, when he looked, when that person that was bitten looked at this serpent, at this bronze serpent on this pole, he lived. Okay? Now just keep that in your mind. Go to John Chapter 3, verse 14. Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus right now, and Jesus says to Nicodemus, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him, in Jesus, should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to ask you men today, I want to ask all of you, women included, but I'm speaking directly to the men as well. Obviously the word of God applies to everybody, but men specifically, I want to ask you, Where's your focus? Where are you looking at? What are you looking at? Are you looking at Jesus? Are you looking at the cross? Are you looking at the the work that Jesus did for you and through you? I don't know about all y'all, but I know that since being, you know, I've been married for almost two years. I got a kid on the way, so I'm 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 a dad, you know, (laughs) or halfway through. But I don't know about you guys. But even without being married and without being a dad, just being a, a guy, it can be difficult. Can, I, can, can somebody raise their hand? Can somebody say that that's true or am I totally just like way off? Being a guy can be difficult. Reason being, the Word of God says that we are the head of the home. We're the head. We not only have to look out for our own relationship with the Lord, we are also on the lookout for our spouse's relationship. We are on the lookout for our home. We're on the lookout for our children. You may be saying, well, I'm not a dad. I'm not married. I don't have any kids. You could be a spiritual father. You could be looking after other people. And and, and when I'm saying looking after other people's relationship, I'm not saying that you need to, to live in Christ for that person. What I'm saying is you are on the lookout for that person's relationship. And, and I want to ask you, in saying, where is your focus? Are you looking towards Jesus or are you looking towards yourself? I'm guilty of this. You can ask my wife when she's here next week. I'm not, 
when I when I'm only relying on my own self, when I'm only relying on my own mind, my own strength, I get it's bad. Being quite frankly, it's not good. But when I'm looking at Jesus, when I'm reading my word, when I'm spending time with Jesus, when I'm spending, even if it's just five, ten minutes a day, that makes a difference in my life as a man, as a potential father, as a husband, as a leader in my workplace. See, the great thing about Christianity, the great thing about Jesus is it doesn't just affect your, your personal life or your church life your relationship life, it affects every single area of your life. And if you're not consistently looking towards Jesus, if you're not consistently looking at the cross, okay, Jesus, see the thing is, Jesus knew this Old Testament, I mean obviously he did, and that's why he referenced it to Nicodemus. When you're bitten by life, Moses, when he put up, when God told him to put up the serpent on the staff, and these snakes were biting the Israelites. When you're bitten by life, when you're down, when you're sick, when you feel like there's nothing left to give, you got to discipline your kids, you got to go to work, you got to volunteer here, you got to go to this, you got to stay late, you got to work Saturdays. When you're down on life, when you're bitten by life, where are you looking? I want to encourage you, don't look to yourself. Men, <laughs> this might be harsh, but please hear me out. You cannot be a true man with a man that God called you to be if you're only looking at yourself. You've got to look at Jesus. You know, as I was reading last night, I feel like I'm getting close to five minutes. Um, as I, I, last, my last thing. <laughs> I promise. As I was reading and praying last night, Moses, God told Moses to put up this bronze serpent on this staff and to put it in the, in the camp that whoever was bitten would look at it. See, that, that healing was for the moment. When Jesus was raised up on the cross, that healing was for eternity. Old Testament was for the moment. New Testament for eternity. You guys understand that? And that eternity affects your whole life. I hope that, that what I'm trying to say is, is saying is makes sense, and it's for men and women, but I'm speaking to the men because we got to lead. We gotta, we gotta, we're, we're like the watchmen on the gate. We're, we are on the lookout for people, for our family, for us individually first, and then for the people that are around us. Men, please be on the lookout for the Lord. Like Continually look to Jesus. I know it's super basic. And then you're like, man, come on, you're just talking about being on the lookout for the Lord. But it's so fundamental. It's so fundamental. We can't be good fathers. We can't be good workers. We can't be good leaders. I mean, we can be okay, but who wants to be okay? I don't want to be okay. I want to be good. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good leader someday. I want to be a good friend. I want to, I want to foster relationships. I want to point people to the Lord as much as I can. And the fact of the matter is, I can't do that when I'm just looking at myself because in myself, I'm still, like, I'm a sinful man. But when I look at Jesus, I was saying today in the next class, because we, there's a thing that we, we want to be 10 out of 10. We want to be always good, okay? And I was saying, I want to clarify with you guys, there's days when you can be a 2 out of 10, but the Holy Spirit makes up the 8 to put you at 10. Okay? Thank you. Somebody got that. <laughs> Anyways, men, where's your focus? Look to the cross. Look to Jesus. And he will make a way. It may not look like it's, it's, it's working out, but I promise you, if you continually look at the cross, he will make a way.
I love you all. God bless you. Morning, y'all. Uh, this isn't my comfort zone, so I hope you can be patient with me. Uh, I'm probably going to read right off my notes. <laughs> um, I did ask Pastor Jake if I could just share something about grads. Um, I had a story that came to mind, and uh, I'd like to share. Sorry, is that better? Um, I just think about when uh, when I was uh, a graduate, thinking about planning for the future, and um, and then what actually happened <laughs> a few years later. It didn't always line up with what you planned for. And I remember um, there was a time when Kim and I were uh, first married. Um, well, we were only married once, but um, I was sick one time, and um, and um, I was hungry, but I couldn't imagine me eating anything. And Kim had said, well, why don't you just have some uh, um, applesauce? And uh, I thought, well, I could probably handle applesauce. And so I, I had some applesauce, and I think within the hour I felt, oh, whatever's down there is going to come up, and i gotta, I got to deal with this. I don't know if you ever have gone through that where you feel like, you know, I'd rather just get this done with and puke it out instead of just, you know, endure the day with it in you. And so um, I had uh, decided I was going to basically ride the big white van and kind of just sit myself in front of the toilet and uh, wait for it to come. And, uh, and I had knelt down and I had my, basically my hands here and I was like, it's going to come. And, uh, and then all of a sudden it came and it, it came with so much force that it straightened me right up. And uh, not a drop went into the toilet. It was, <laughs> it was pretty nuts. It just kind of scattered everywhere. And uh, um, uh, thankfully, my beautiful wife... Uh, I had no problem cleaning it up. She said it was, it just smelled like applesauce. <laughs> but um, I think life is like that. And you can have it all planned out. You can have um, all your apples lined up and think that you're going to execute this well. <laughs> um, but it doesn't always turn out that way. And I just want to encourage you that, um, that because of all the work that you put into planning something doesn't mean it's going to turn out the way you'd want it, but there's still somebody in control. And um, I think in John 16:33 it says, in this world you will have trouble. It's going to come. You can't hide that. It's going to come. But he says, um, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so just be encouraged that uh, um, even if you got things planned out, they don't turn out the way you'd want. Uh, someone's still in control. Um, anyways, that was that was a bonus. I'm I'm going to get right into this. Uh, my five minutes starts now, so um, I uh, I thought it was interesting that um, Pastor Jake had asked me to speak on Father's Day, as uh, uh, Kim and I don't have kids, um, and I don't have a great relationship with my father. <laughs> so, um, what possibly could I share? Um, well, I wonder if there's anyone here who, uh, who isn't, isn't particularly fond of Father's Day as well. Um, perhaps your relationship with your dad is one that isn't one to be celebrated. And you might even say that nobody understands what I had to go through to have a father like him. And you're mostly right. We probably don't understand. Well, that was me. Um, I didn't really enjoy Father's Day. Um, it was a difficult thing for me. Um, when I grew up, I grew up with a, an abusive father, uh, both physically and verbally. 
and there was a chunk of time where he was also an alcoholic, um, which isn't a great combination. So I have very few good memories of my dad. Um, one thing led to another, and eventually we ended up leaving my dad and going hiding. Um, we had to notify the RCMP and ended up changing our names for our safety. Um, sorry, I, I'm kind of rushing through the details for the sake of time here. Um, a few years after leaving my dad, a missionary couple had come to our church and spoke uh, for a few minutes. Darn wind. Oh, I'm good, thanks. See what I mean? You try to prepare for something, you can't even do it well. Um, after, what's that? Oh yeah, good man. Get all the sunlight. Okay. A few years after leaving my dad, um, I think I said this, a missionary couple had come and spoken in our church for a few minutes. They mentioned about the importance of forgiving your father. One thing they had said that impacted my life was not only should you forgive your father in your heart, but you should also tell him to his face. I was so mad at them because they knew nothing of my situation. To give, forgive him in my heart was one thing, but to face him again was another thing. You see, at this point in my life, the last thing we heard about my dad is he wanted to kill us. The missionary couple didn't have a clue what they were talking about, so I thought. The problem with unforgiveness is that it takes away my freedom to be me. I didn't realize how, power, how, how much power the poison of, her, of unforgiveness had over me. My identity, my value, my confidence was all tied into this. So how about you? Have you been wronged by your father? Are there things, are there hurts that you have been, haven't healed? One of the best ways to deal with the hurt of your father is to forgive him. And I don't say that lightly. A uh, lot of us here might not understand what it is to be in your shoes, but Jesus does. If this message is knocking on your door, I encourage you not to discard it, but perhaps wrestle with it for a time. If God is speaking, he will give you the courage and strength to take the next step. Uh, I'm just going to repeat John 16:33. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Uh, I have overcome the world. And I just want to encourage you today that if, if that's you, I know it's a, it's a loaded question about having hurts in in your life from your father, it's, it's not easy to take lightly. Um, I encourage you to wrestle with it. It's okay to struggle with it. It took me a year and a half to actually connect with my dad. Um, but I know it was the right thing. I know it was a good thing. And um, so today, if, if this is you, if you feel like it's, it's, it's triggered something in you, um, I encourage you to chat with somebody today. Make that step just to, to say, I just... I need, to, I need someone to pray for me. I need someone to, to you know, encourage me in this and, uh, and to support me in this. And so if that's you today, if you could just find a chance, maybe it's Pastor Jake or Jacob or Blake or, um, or myself, I don't mind. Um, you'll uh, take the courage to make that step. Anyways, bless you. Have a good day. Thank you, everyone. And thanks to the men that have shared so far. It's awesome. And... Um, it's just um, reassurance for me that what I'm going to speak about this morning is what God's placed in my heart. And uh, 
we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so we all have a different testimony and story. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about mine. And it looks different, um, but it's mine. And I'm, uh, I'll share it with you this morning. So I've been a member of Hope City Church since it was Hope City Church. I've been a member of Hope City Church since it was Connect Church. I've been a member of Hope City Church since it was Living Worry Christian Fellowship. And I've been a member of Hope City Church since it was Crossroads Community Church. So um, I've been a member of this awesome church for a long time, and there's an, an amazing uh, testimony in that. And that's for another time. So um, on December 29th, 1970, I became a son to two awesome God-fearing parents. Uh, shortly after that, I became a friend. Uh, my first uh, friend that I can remember, his name was Audie Wong. At some point after I was born, Audie and I became friends. Uh, April 15th, 1975, I became a brother to the most amazing, uh, compassionate, talented, and loyal sister, Tiffany. On September 12th, 1992, I became a husband, uh, which uh, I'm so incredibly grateful that I have the opportunity to be married to my amazing wife, Willow. Uh, on that day, I became an uncle as well. And um, on July 23rd, I'm hoping I don't mess this up, July 23rd, 1998, I became a father. And on September 12, 2000, I became a father again. And on June 22nd, 2002, I became a father again. And on May 21st, 2004, I became a father again. So I have four children of my own. And in February of 2020, I became a homestay father. I don't know where Marco is, but I became a homestay father last year. And uh, on uh, August 8th, 2020, 20, I became a father-in-law. Um, not a grandpa yet, but that day may come. And with it, and many of the roles and um, phases that I've expressed come uh, weight. Uh, the weight of being a son, learning to be obedient, to follow the rules, to honor your folks. There's rules and weight associated with each of those roles. And I have experienced that weight. You might want to call it uh, responsibility, you might want to call it expectation, whatever it is, there is weight attached to it. And the neat thing is, is that we're in any of those positions and we get tired and we get weary, that uh, the Lord says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the yoke of being a son, the yoke of being a husband, the yoke of being a father uh, can, can sometimes be heavy. And we mess up. And there's things that we do that we regret. But fortunately, the yoke in Jesus is light. And that's been my experience. The yoke, as you know, is the apparatus uh, used for plowing soil. And uh, it's sort of the primitive... Um, Power takeoff for the modern-day tractor where um, the apparatus is put across the animals, uh, oxen in most cases, for plowing fields and tilling the soil. And my experience with uh, being a son of God, uh, which I, did, I failed to mention that date. It was some, some time when I was quite young. I think five or six years old is when I came to know Jesus, and I have I've been following him ever since. And that is my testimony of faithfulness of God to his generations, his love for those uh, 
in families that recognize and honor the Lord. So I'm, a, I'm just so thankful that I can be a part of that. Here's my one takeaway that if uh, I can pass this on, this has been my experience, is when I'm, when I'm tilling the field, metaphorically, in life, because you know what? We are going to have to work. We're going to have to do stuff. God's put responsibility on our plates because through those circumstances and through those, through those experiences, we are able to demonstrate the love of Jesus, to model him, to learn from him, to affect others. My experience has been when I'm toiling the field, whatever it is, as a son, father, husband, when the tilling gets tough and the yoke starts digging in, it's pretty much uh, guaranteed that I've taken my eyes off Jesus. I've taken my eye off the Lord, which Jacob was talking about. And when that burden feels heavy, I know that I'm tilling soil that hasn't been prepared by the Lord. It's hard. It's not easy to, to till and the yoke starts digging in on my shoulders, and I start getting down, and I start feeling like, you know, what's going on, Lord? Well, my experience has been I just need to reset, look to Him, and say, Lord, what, am I, what, what should I be doing? And my experience has been over and over that He has been faithful to guide me. The Holy Spirit has been in, in control of the reins, and uh, God's not always going to just reef on the reins. He's not going to. To, to pull on your mouth, to stop you in your tracks. Sometimes he will, but not always. You know, you're going to feel the pain of having to toil uh, soil that isn't, till soil that isn't been prepared by him. The soil that's been prepared by him, I have found to be, doesn't mean it's easy, but you just know. You just know as you're plowing through life, you're plowing through each of those roles that you have, that the ground just feels right. You know that you're tilling soil that uh, will honor him, and we'll bless him, and we'll bless those around you. And uh, the scripture is something that Glenn had mentioned too. And Jesus, when he was meeting with his disciples, says, I have told you these things so that in me you have peace in this world. You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And Jesus has overcome on our behalf. If we can just look to him, let the Holy Spirit guide us. The one thing I wanted to say, men, is look to the Holy Spirit to guide you. There's one thing I can say to you is let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Look to Jesus. And secondly, look to mentors, role models, and examples in life. And for Glenn, he didn't have that as a youngster. And so if it's possible to find someone who you can look up to, who can be an example to you, who you can uh, learn from and aspire to, do that. God will put those people in your life for me. Uh, it's been my dad. I've had just the awesome privilege of being able to look up to my dad, who is a man of faith. And when I mean man of faith, I don't mean necessarily that he believes in God and he has a faith. He is a man who believes in God, who believes in God for provision, for the, for the care and safety of his family, every aspect of his life. And I have, I've been so blessed to have my dad, Blake, as my example and I hope that I can be that for my own children and for anybody that might look up to me. I need, I need God, God's strength to help me do that. And to him, be all the honor and glory. Thank you. Well, I have a message for all the fathers from a father. Even if you're not a father yet, you're in training because you're a son. Before you can be a father, you have to learn what it means to be a son. And if I could say anything, I would say this. Fathers, speak life over your children.
Always speak life over your seed. Never curse your seed. When you curse your seed, you curse your harvest. And you're the one who's not going to get a harvest. Our harvest is our children. In the book of Acts, it says that the spirit of Elijah is going to come and restore the hearts of the fathers to the children, children to the fathers, and our sons and our daughters are going to prophesy. Our young men will see visions, and our old men will dream dreams. What are the old men dreaming of? They're dreaming of our children fulfilling heaven's desire. That's our harvest. So always bless your harvest. Always bless your seed. In Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it's in the hallmark of faith. There's a story of Abraham. And God gave him an unusual assignment. He told him to take Isaac, his only begotten son, and take him up to a mountain and to sacrifice him there. And it was a strange assignment because God had told him that through Isaac, God was going to raise up descendants. He said, look at the stars of heaven. Count them if you can. You can't. And in the daytime, he said, look at the sand beneath you because he lived in the desert. Count the grains of sand. You can't. There's too many. He said, so shall your descendants be. So whether it was day or whether it was nighttime, Abraham had this prophetic picture of his harvest. And he had one son, Isaac, through whom that harvest was going to come. And then God says, okay, I want you to go to this mountain, and I want you to sacrifice your son. So how does Abraham respond? He responds as a good son, because he has a promise from his heavenly father. In Hebrews chapter 11, It says, starting in verse 17 to 19, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. And Abraham considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead. He didn't understand why the father was telling him to do what he was telling him to do, but he knew this promise. It's through Isaac my seed that I'm going to have my harvest. Only one possibility. Once I kill him, God will raise him up from the dead again. And Abraham just wasn't thinking these things and meditating upon this. Surely he considered what the Lord had said to him. But he also spoke it because when he went to this mountain, they came with their servants. And he told his servants, okay, you guys wait here. The boy and I are going to go up in that mountain and we're going to sacrifice and we're going to worship God, and we're going to return to you. He prophesied over his seed, we're going to return to you. He spoke life over his son. He spoke life over the promise. He spoke life over his seed. And even to his own son, he gave a second witness. Isaac says, I see the fire, I see the wood, but where's the sacrifice? (laughs) Abraham said, God will provide for himself. He spoke life. I've not been a perfect father. I don't think there are any in this parking lot right now. But it's never too late to repent. It's never too late to turn around and begin to bless your seed. This is the duty of a father. This is the duty of a father. Every Friday night, every Jewish father for thousands of years has sat around the table with his children and he's blessed his children week after week after week for thousands of years. 
This is the primary reason, I believe, why Israel has always prospered as a nation. Even when they were scattered throughout the earth, they were always blessed of God. And they never lost their identity. A Jew was always a Jew wherever they went. Why? Because the children had the blessings of their father every Shabbat. He reminded them, you are blessed of God. And you belong to me and you have a destiny. The kingdom of God is word activated. The world were created by the word of God. They're sustained by the word of God. And we need to speak as fathers. As the heavenly father is speaking over us into our sons, into our daughters. And the word of God is active and powerful. And it's able to perform every good promise that the Father has spoken to us. So this is our main duty as fathers. Bless your children. Bless your children. And so just as a representative of a father, I would just like to speak the Abrahamic blessing that every Jewish son and daughter heard their father speak over them every Shabbat from Numbers chapter 6. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and to his sons saying, Thus you bless the sons of Israel. You used to say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. The Hebrew word shalom is peace, and the root of the Hebrew word shalom is shalim, which means wholeness. When we speak peace on our sons and our daughters, we're speaking wholeness, we're speaking completion, we're speaking destiny, we're speaking fullness, we're speaking grace, we're speaking blessing, we're speaking life. Because he came that we might have life. And so, Lord, we bless our children. We bless our seed. They are your gift to us. They don't belong to the enemy. They don't belong to this world. No, Lord. They're your gift, and we will bless, Lord, what you give, because everything you give is good. And so we speak goodness over our seed from the goodness of the Father's heart. Amen. Well, thank you so much. You know, I'm glad the ones who went before me uh, took that time so I can be short, you know. Okay. Well, I'm a blessed man. I'm a man uh, with six children. And uh, when I look at, uh, I was reminiscing this morning a little bit, uh, what uh, I should uh, say, you know. And Genesis came to my mind. Abraham, sorry, not Abraham, Adam and Eve. Eve, you know exactly what, he, what she did. She took uh, the bait from Satan. Then God came, and God addressed Adam. Why Adam? Because Adam was the head of the family. And as a father and as a man, we are always accountable. Doesn't matter what the family is doing. Doesn't matter what the wife is doing. When I go through the Old Testament over and over again, it's the man who is accountable, you know? And that gave, gave us as a man a tremendous responsibility, you know. And uh, uh, I've said that, uh, when I look at the old picture, when I married, I was 23 years old. And I married now for 55 years. It's a long time. And we are tremendously blessed. But anyway, when I married, uh, I was selfish. I was racing uh, motorbikes. I did it for 15 years. You 
can see, eh? When you look at my belly, you know? But anyway, uh, I always left my wife home when I went to the racetrack and even when the kids grew up, yeah? And I was living a selfish life. But my wife always was faithful and stayed with me, you know? Till one day, uh, the Lord uh, showed me what a horrible husband I was, you know? And that changed my life, you know? And not only that, but it changed in such a way that uh, I started realizing God wants me not only to be a good husband, but also to be a good father, you know? And uh, because of that, I can honestly say, my wife and I, we had a, an awesome, awesome marriage for the last, I would say, 30, 35 years. Not only that, but I can honestly say, I have an awesome relationship with my kids. Uh, five of them are living close by. Uh, one lives in Armstrong, and we got together 19 grandchildren. It's, uh, it's, it's awesome, but not only that, you know, everyone accepts some grandchildren, but every one of our children is serving the Lord. You know, it's, it's just awesome. I can phone them, and when there is a problem in a family or somewhere else, and I need prayer, they pray with me, you know. And when they have a problem, they phone dad and say, dad, can you pray, you know. It, it's so awesome, you know. And, uh, and uh, yesterday, we had our father days at uh, the park in uh, Yarrow. You know, because everyone is Father's Day, you know. And we said, okay, let's do it on a Saturday, you know, and everyone can spend time with his own family uh, when the day comes. But anyway, we had an awesome, awesome time together, you know, with all the grandchildren. And, and the only thing I can say is thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, because it's only because of him, you know. And uh, not only that, but... My wife is always there uh, when the kids are phoning. She is always uh, available, always uh, have advice for them. And as a father, it's awesome to see that all the time, over and over again, you know. And uh, not only that, but we serve such an awesome, awesome God, you know. When I look at the old picture, then we only can say, hey, why do we deserve that, you know? And uh, done the six children we have, it's a nice balance. We've got three girls and three boys, you know? And uh, it's, it's not only a good balance, but also the girls, for instance. Uh, for some reason, I have a special relationship with them, you know? And the boys, too, but boys are boys, you know, how that goes, you know? And uh, uh, even yesterday, the girls uh, would come up to me and say, Dad, it's so awesome to have a father, you know? And I would say, it's so awesome to be a father, you know? It's, uh, it's, it's good. And uh, not only that, there is a lot of uh, areas uh, that I say... Uh, 
in my case, I grew up in a big family, 12 children, seven boys and five girls. Yeah? And uh, when we grew, grew up and I started meeting my wife, one day she said to me, Gerard, how many kids do you want? I said, well, 12, you know, because for me that was the normal. And she said, forget about it, you know. <laughs> so we ended up with six, you know, and that was uh, awesome. And not only that, but uh, uh, our children, uh, one of them, unfortunately, is moving away next week. Sorry, not next week, next month. He is moving to uh, Letbridge with uh, six children. Five girls and a boy, and we will miss them, but at least uh, it's close enough by that we can visit them and be there in a day, you know. And uh, uh, also, I want to mention uh, that I work still a couple of days in Chilliwack as a chaplain, uh, working with drug uh, drivers, ministering to them, and. When I talk to them, there is so a tremendous need for those guys. There are so many, many, many who have a, a family at home who don't, who doesn't love them. There are so many truck drivers who have no relationship at all at home, not only with their wives but also not with their kids. You know, and I want to encourage you whenever you see a truck driving. Uh, and he comes to your mind, uh, pray for them, you know, because uh, God is the only one who can repair a broken family. You know? God is the only one who can do a miracle. And I want to encourage every one of you, even in your own family, you know, when there is a need, when there is a, uh, a problem, Go on your knees and pray, because God is a miracle God. God is a Father who knows our needs, but also knows our desires, you know. And I want to encourage you to, uh, to not only do that, but also do that for everybody around you, who uh, you see is uh, suffering, uh, who is not only suffering, but also uh, uh, as a family who falls apart. Pray for them and be there. Help them. Thank you so much. Wasn't that awesome? I want, um, we're wrapping up here, but I want to pray for all the guys in this place. So if you're a guy, I want you to jump up, stand up on your feet, and we're going to pray for you. I want to read something to you um, from Teddy Roosevelt. Do you know who Teddy Roosevelt was? He's a great president from the States way back in the day. And he wrote something called The Man in the Arena. And he says this, It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcomings. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, 
who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end of triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Men, guys, you got to get in the arena. you got to live in the arena. There is no success without failure. There is no triumph without defeat. You heard it said many times a day, we all have things that we go through. The point, the main thing is, is to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Get yourself in the game, get in the arena, and keep going. Get up when you fall down and help those who are beside you get up off their feet like Chad was talking about. I want to pray for all you guys. And if you're here and your, your son or your husband or your boyfriend is here, I want you to stand up beside them and I want you to lay your hands on them as we pray. Father, I thank you for these men. God, I thank you that you are causing them to rise up and be the men that you have called them to be. Father, I pray and I ask that you are opening eyes and ears and hearts to receive all that you are saying to them so that they are able to lead their families, their homes, their neighborhoods, their kids to you. We declare in the name of Jesus that this will be a generation of men that continues to rise up, proclaiming the goodness of God in the midst of all dire circumstances, in the middle of COVID, in the middle of fear, in the middle of anxiety and unsurety. Father, we thank you that you are pouring into these men today your life, your anointing, your presence, and your purpose. We declare wholeness in every area today. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Amen, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.